Hey folks, this is Yishai Fleischer of Israel National Radio. I am heading out to the United States on a whirlwind speaking tour, and I want to see you. Check out my website, ionzion.com, E-Y-E-O-N-Z-I-O-N.com. Book the Ion Zion speaking tour today. If you're not coming this summer to Israel, Israel is coming to you. IsraelNationalRadio.com We're your connection to Israel. Welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the Noahide Nations. Welcome back to the Noahide Nation show, folks. We're certainly glad that you joined us this week. Uh, I'm your co-host, Ray Patterson, and uh, of course, you do know my co-host, Mr. Prescott Johnson. Prescott, come on in here. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fine, Ray. Hello, everybody out there. So you're doing fine, are you? I am. How, how, how about you? I think I'm doing fine as well. I, I hear I'm, you're. I hear you're planning a fishing trip or something. Yeah, I'm going to be heading out at the end of the month. Uh, it may very well be my last trip to Wisconsin. When I was a boy, my father used to take myself and my brother up to Wisconsin, where my uh, aunt and uncle lived, to a place called Boulder Junction, oh. and we used to go musky fishing. And I hadn't been there for, gosh, a number of years. And my brother, you know, we moved up here to, you know, basically live in the same suburb as as, uh, my brother and his family. And we went uh, a couple years ago, went back up there, and I'm going up there again uh, this year. And uh, because my nephew, who's, I think he's 10 right now, he can't hardly stand it. I don't think he can sleep at night because he's been <laughs> wanting to go forever, and now we're getting close, and so I don't think he could sleep. But uh, uh-huh. we're going up and uh, going to spend a week up there, going to meet my dad and one of his friends up there and get a couple boats and uh, do a little fishing. Hopefully we'll be able to get our names in the record books for the biggest muskie ever. <laughs> Now that I say that, we'll probably never not even catch one, but uh, we're we're going to be going for it. We're going to be swinging metal. Uh, <laughs> so yes, uh, I'm I'm going to be doing that. So it ought to be a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds sounds like a great time. Well, I think this show is going to be a great time because yeah. we're going to continue on with our discussion on the real Mashiach and the signs that we have been given by Hashem and his prophets in the Tanakh that let us know what to keep an eye out for in terms of what the Mashiach will be doing. And these will be signs that will indicate to us that, gosh, you know what, at least this guy could be the Mashiach. He could be the Messiah. We need to investigate this further. But there will be signs. Things will be occurring that will let us know that, folks, he may not have been anointed yet today, but you better hang on because it's coming real soon. So these are some of the signs, and we're going to be getting into more because uh, we just didn't have enough time last week to uh, kind of complete our thoughts and our verses on the ingathering of the exiles because we want to demonstrate here convincingly with with the numbers of, of verses, chapters and verses from the Tanakh that you can refer to that will prove 
as proof text mm. uh, that what we're saying is true, not just by the verses, but based on the context of the chapters and the, the parts of the, in, in the Tanakh that it's referring to. So yeah, yeah no, there's because there's always there's always indicators there that that point us in the right direction, and um, and and the one thing that uh, you know the one thing that is interesting about about the signs that we are now looking at in terms of what we uh, anticipate will occur uh, either when the Messiah uh, appears or prior to his appearing is something that has never happened to date. It's never happened. Right, right. And that's what makes us so unique is that uh, whatever, you, whatever other kind of signs you may want to point to, these signs that we're looking at have never happened before now and uh, so so it's it's still something to anticipate it's not something that has happened yet it's something to anticipate so right and in terms of you know current day i mean we can only see indications exactly. of what we yep. in our human mind yep. might believe to be happening that is one of the signs that we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. but no one really knows for sure only Hashem knows That's right. for sure. Yeah. It may get much worse than what we may be seeing. In fact, probably will get much worse. So anyway, let's kind of you know cruise into some of these additional chapters and verses. Uh, I don't know if any of you listened to the plugged-in show from last week after last week's show, but we did cover uh, some of these uh, in that, and we apologize if there's any redundancy for those who are listening to the show this week. But let's go ahead and uh, launch into this with uh, uh, Amos. Okay. Good old Amos. And uh, we're talking about Amos 9, 14, and 15. And I guess after this, we, we do need to do some house cleaning. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm just so excited to do the show I that uh, we'll get to talk about who the real Mashiach is, what he's going to be doing. I just love this. But anyway, I've already mentioned it. I've let it out of the bag. Amos 9, 14, and 15. I shall return the captivity of my people Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and settle. I shall plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be plucked out of their land that I have given them, says Hashem. Mm. Uh, pretty, pretty powerful. I mean, that is telling us quite, quite a bit, or at least a little bit there, is that he's going to be redeeming his people, Israel, bringing them back to the land, mm. uh, the land that he, is their land. He is telling us that they will actually be building, or could potentially mean rebuilding, Cities and and Hashem refers to them through Amos as waste cities. If we kind of you know look at that today, I, I would have no problem saying Gaza right now is a waste city. Yeah, and they may be going in there and and basically getting their land back because that is Gaza is part of the land I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Somebody sent an email, but that is Judah's property. <laughs> where Gaza is, though, yeah, Israel has given away Judah's property. <laughs> so that may be one of the cities that, you know, one of the areas uh, that they will be rebuilding. And it also says that they will never be plucked out of their land again, uh, which means they won't be exiled. Yeah. Uh, they will not be booted out by any other nation. But that is something that will be unprovable because when is never? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's no way you're going to be able to prove that they never are kicked out of the land again. So, well, and and one thing that does point to is that at least in the past, whatever 
you know, whatever someone may have considered, uh, you know, when the, when the exiles had returned from Babylon, uh, the fact is, is that they were once again uprooted from the land and were displaced. So it is, this here's, uh, this, this means that this is yet to come. And, uh, actually, if I, if I were to just back up to, um, one verse to verse 13, uh, it says, a time is coming, declares the Lord. I'm reading from JPS because it's mm-hmm. on my computer. When right. when the plowman shall meet the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who holds the bag of seed. When the mountains shall drip wine and all the hills shall wave with grain. Now, everybody talks about the 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 blooming of the desert, how... Uh, you know, people who had uh, visited that area at the turn of the, uh, you know, back in the 1800s and 1900s, uh, I believe Mark Twain um, uh, wrote uh, about uh, this. I, I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, uh, I, I'm sorry. It, but it runs in my mind that Mark Twain wrote about how uh, desolate the area was. And I know that certainly all the reports from back uh, in the late 1800s, early 1900s was that, that this was a desolate area. And the one thing that you cannot, uh, that you cannot deny is how in the past 50, 60 years, that whole region has been transformed. And when it says the plowman shall reap the reaper, of course, um, what does the plowman do? The plowman is the one who starts the harvest. But what right. does what does the reaper do? The reaper collects the harvest. So it's it the the verse is indicating that the the reaping and the sowing that will take place in the land will be be so tremendous that the that the plowman and the reaper will be running into each other. Uh, so bountiful will be the land, and this is this is uh this is a part of what we are seeing happening right now in Israel. Well, it truly is. In fact, uh, in one of the previous shows, I mentioned the book Startup Nation. Right. I, I mean, this book is very compelling when you start talking about the verse that you just quoted. Yeah. And, and elaborated on quite nicely, I might add. But that book, uh, it clearly demonstrates that there, Israel is ahead of the game. It is ahead of the world. It is ahead of mankind. It is leading and is willing to help mankind if we just open our eyes to see and mm-hmm. our ears to hear. They are leading the way. Yeah. And th- th- this book, Startup uh, Nation, which you can get uh, on the Noahide Nation store, by the way, it's, it's a, a phenomenal book that will take and reveal to you how it's happening today, the verse that Prescott just read to us, verse 13. Mm-hmm. It's happening right now. Yeah. It's not a, a, a fluke. It's no. not, uh, you know, it's not something that's being made up. It's something that is actually happening today. And we've seen signs of this in the past. I mean, I, I think we, oh, I just recently wrote an article on uh, the little nation that could. Yeah. And of course, the little nation being Israel. And it staggers the mind when you consider how many Nobel Prizes Jewish people have won. Right. And compare that to the number of Nobel Prizes won by others. 
And, I mean, the Jewish people, I think, as of today, they've won 25% of the Nobel Prizes. That's a little country. Is that all? That's a little nation. That's 25%. And probably, I mean, if all things being equal, they probably would have won a lot more. But we know that all things are not equal when you can give a Nobel Prize to somebody who has done nothing to deserve it. And for those of you who have eyes that can see and ears that can hear, know who I'm referring to. So, <laughs> Yeah, but he did give us the Internet, right? <laughs> no, that was the previous, the previous uh, Nobel Prize winner, I think. Um, I, I don't know. Oh, but, you're, you're, uh, ta- you're, you're talking about the, uh, uh, the the guy that managed to win an election, not the guy that uh, didn't yeah. win managed to win an election. <laughs> yeah, the guy who didn't win, and then the guy who recently won. Yeah, okay. and again, it takes those with eyes and those with ears who could see and hear to know what I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, the point is, is that there are things happening in Israel Mm. right now as we speak. If we, if we just open our eyes. And in fact, I I mentioned this on last week's show. I'm going to mention it again on this week's show. You need to go to the Noahide Nations website at noahidenations.com. Go on the right-hand side to the resources menu and click on videos and see one of the most recent videos. And you tell me Mm. if Israel has got the smarts. If Israel has the technology, you tell me whether Hashem is watching over his people or not. And compare, after you've seen that verse, after you've seen that video, then read the verse that Prescott, you know, 13, 14, and 15. And you tell me if it isn't happening right before your very eyes. So it's for real, folks. And, you know, here's another one. Just uh, once again to confirm this convincingly, and I see I'm getting the smile and the nod from uh, Prescott because I'm taking a, a, a piece of the action away from him. So, no, go, go, I was, go. I'm, I was, I'm riding, man. I'm here. He's riding. Okay. We'll do it. I'll remember to do it towards the end of the break. How's that? Okay. Let's keep an eye on the time, and we'll we'll do some house cleaning right before the, the break time. Fair enough. Let's jump into Jeremiah 23 and uh, verses 7 and 8. Where it says, Therefore, behold, days shall come, says God, that they shall no longer say, As God lives, who has taken up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but they will say, As God lives, who has taken up and brought the seed of the house of Israel from the north country and from all the countries where he had banished them, and they shall dwell in their land. Mm. And we had talked about this chapter and verse on the Plugged In show uh, last week, and this is a mouthful. (laughs) I mean, if we want to talk about intelligence, Hashem is giving us a lot of intelligence Mm -hmm. right here. This is stuff you need to know. And and so we're going to be bringing it forth, and because he, he's clearly saying that day shall come, and as Prescott elaborated on in, in the previous show, when it refers to things like in that day and day shall come, it, it's generally referring to the messianic era, 
though some of them you could probably argue either way. Some of them are more precise. But anyway, uh, we believe that this is speaking of the Messianic era, and uh, people will no longer say that uh, as God lives, that uh, he has taken the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but are going to be talking, uh, and boy, I can't wait to hear this and be one of those saying this, because, (laughs) because then it will be, it will be happening, we'll be seeing it happening, that the seed of the house of Israel will be brought back from the north country and from all of the countries where he had banished them. Hmm. So we'll actually be seeing this. And it's also interesting that the word banished is used because, you know, and I mentioned this uh, in our again in our plugged-in show, that, you know, to, to uh, use the word banished means that Hashem banished him. He exiled him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't people that banished him. It wasn't the Jews that banished themselves. It was Hashem that banished them. Why? Because they weren't keeping the Torah. So he banished them. Banished is a negative word, and it's and it's used here. And it's because they weren't keeping the Torah. But at the same time, it was a group of people, the Jewish people, that were preserved by virtue of the fact that they were exiled from their land and are now spread out all over the world. Mm-hmm. But in order for the redemption to happen, the people of, of Israel need to be in, in the homeland. Yeah. Now, now of course, there are some who would say, well, the reason why they were banished was because they missed, um, they missed the first Messiah. But if you go back to Deuteronomy and you read the conditions uh, before they entered the land, and there was the proclamation of of the blessings and the curses, it tells you there why, when they have ever been put out of the land, why they've been put out of the land. And anybody who says that, well, the real reason is this reason here, because they rejected the Messiah, is simply ignoring what the Bible already tells us. And that is that... Hashem says that if you keep my Torah, I'll look after you. I'll do, you know, all the things that, all the blessings will follow you if you follow the prescription. But if you don't, this is what's going to happen. There are going to be punishments, and one of those was that you would, you would essentially be exiled from the land. And so that is the, that is an affirmation of that covenant that God made with Israel. That is not an indication that they've been banished. Is not an indication that the covenant has been broken, and that not and in no, any way, shape, or form. No, no it's, you're exactly right. It, it's it's the exact opposite. It actually confirms the truthfulness of the Torah. It confirms the truthfulness of that covenant. And as such, whenever you hear people suggesting that they have some other reasoning for why why Israel has been out of the land for 2,000 years, then they are completely ignoring what the Torah tells us and what all the prophets, if you read through the prophets over and over again, before they were before they were exiled from the land, the prophets came out and they said, if you will repent and do what the Torah says, then it will go well with you. It's that, right. it's that simple. The, the Torah is an eternal document. It is eternally true. It will never change. And when the exile has taken place, it is because of Torah and not for any other reason. It's because of the truthfulness of the Torah, the truthfulness of that covenant. 
That's right. And I don't care who tells you that the Torah is only for the Jews or uh, as, as oftentimes is used. Oh, well, that that was for back then. That isn't for today. It's not right. uh, you know, appropriate for today. That in, in as much as says is I'm denying Torah. I'm yeah. denying that it no longer exists. And I'm now listening to this person who is now telling me that. Well, you know, and there's Jews who would argue with me. Oh, yes, Ray. No, you're you're completely wrong. The Torah is exclusively for the Jews. Well, it's not. If it was, why why bother telling the Jews about Noah? I mean, it doesn't make any sense because our Noahide laws are contained within the Torah. They're reiterated at Mount Sinai. So you know, we need to uh, do that, and we must have our eyes to see and our ears to hear. And by that, I mean, see what the realities are. And those realities are, and I'm going to kick this over to friend Prescott, because following Hashem's ways is seeing and hearing and demonstrating that through your actions. And Prescott, I'm going to kick it over to you so that you can share with the folks what the actions of a Gentile must be. Hashem has required of us to do the following. The Shavah Mitzvot, the Seven Commandments. Do not blaspheme. Do not commit idolatry. Do not commit murder. Do not commit sexual immorality. Do not commit theft. We have a responsibility to establish courts of justice, and we are not to eat the limb of a living animal. These are the seven categories of laws that we are required to follow as non-Jews. Right. And those seven, depending on who you talk to, break down into approximately 66. Some say 66, some say 70. You know, the numbers vary. But the point is, is that the categories he's referring to are actually much deeper than just what you're hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, either Prescott or I just making a statement not to commit theft. Theft is a very deep and involved subject. Yeah. And like I say, there's 66. And in fact, we as Gentiles, based upon Rambam's Mishnah Torah, are allowed to keep all the misvotes that are in Torah, so long as we follow them precisely. If you don't follow them precisely, I wouldn't recommend doing it. And for that, you need the help of a rabbi, a good rabbi, who is willing to work with you as a, a Gentile, you being a Gentile. So, But these are the minimum requirement for mankind, not yeah. just, not just uh, non-Jews, but also Jews. Mm-hmm. Jews have to keep the same ones. Uh, they just keep more of them. <laughs> yeah, because they've been commanded to. We do. We would do it because we want to. Uh, as far as doing beyond what we are required to do, we do it because we want to. The Jews do it because they are commanded to. That is the the line that is drawn that separates the two, the Jew mm-hmm. and the non-Jew. That is the line that separates the two. Yeah. So okay. and with that, I think we probably uh, are. Good. In fact, we are. We're going to hit yeah, the, we bottom the bottom of the hour here. <laughs> we need to bounce on out of here and, and take a break. And folks, when we get back on the other side, we're going to finish off mm-hmm. the ingathering of the exiles, so that when you leave, hopefully here today, you'll be convinced that what the Torah tells us is true. So we'll catch you on the other side. Stick around. Just pray for them. Israel National Radio. Israel National Radio. 
to Israel National Radio. Israel National Radio. Israel National Radio. Israel National Radio. We're praying for redemption. Kedashta, the personal touch, invite everyone to their two exciting stores, one in the heart of Jerusalem and one in Modeim. Kedashta, the personal touch, is the epitome of elegant style and service. Sterling silver, artistic glassware, jewelry, talitot, mezuzot, and much more. And also features a full boutique wine department specializing in Israeli wines. And, of course, everything is available online at Judaica4u, Judaica, the numeral 4 and the letter U, dot com. Welcome back, everybody. We appreciate you sticking around with us for the second half of the Noahide Nation show. We do have uh, some special things coming up here in uh, a minute or two, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, we need to do some housekeeping, just a couple of general announcements that we think you'll want to be aware of. So, Prescott, why don't you help us out with that? Uh, yeah, we have uh, over at Noahide Nations um, the Academy of Shem where some classes are being taught throughout the week. On uh, Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, Doug Taylor teaches a class on Proverbs and help you make decisions about your life. On Monday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we have Rabbi Avener, who's going to be teaching the uh, another cycle of the Noahide Laws class, which is a great class. On Tuesday evening at 9 p.m., we have Rachel Wise, who is teaching aspects of an effective relationship, a biblical perspective. On Friday evening, we have the Arav Shabbat with Ray and Mary and George Brock uh, bringing in Shabbat. And then on Shabbat, we have the Shabbat service at... Oh, what time is the uh, Arav Shabbat? That's uh, 7.30? Shabbat is 7.45 Eastern. Eastern. You might want to get in. Uh, you might want to get in a little Eastern early Center. just to make sure. But usually it'll be seven forty-five. Yeah, and then at uh, eleven thirty Eastern Standard Time, we have Shabbat service with uh, George Brock, uh, which is really uh, a great, yeah, great service that he does there. Right, that's Saturday morning, eleven thirty a.m. Eastern Time, and uh, also oh, just. Right. <laughs> Maybe yeah. showing up at midnight. <laughs> uh, and also, we are working right. with uh, Rabbi Avraham Sutton, who has agreed to teach in the Academy of Shem. And if you don't know him, you will, because he is a phenomenal teacher and will reach down into your soul and show you things that you could not even imagine you were capable of. And you got to get in on his classes. We don't know when they're going to be yet. We're working out the details. But, you know, get on the No Hide Nation site and keep updated uh, on this kind of information because you will not want to miss Abraham Sutton's class. I guarantee it. So I appreciate the opportunity to do that house cleaning. And as I mentioned at the top here, we do have some something special uh, coming up. And uh, Prescott, are you familiar in Canada with that show that's uh, called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Who wants? Uh, is that... 
Oh, is that the game show that uh, Regis yeah. did? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. And I know here in the States it was really popular. Who wants to uh, be a millionaire? And and one of the things about <laughs> that is that they had lifelines. <laughs> and one of those lifelines was that they could call a friend for an answer. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Well, That's clever. guess what, folks? We have called a friend who's going to help give us some more answers on this whole idea of the ingathering of the exiles of Israel. And let me go ahead and introduce our guest here, Mr. Jim Long. Jim, how you doing, my friend? I'm very good, Ray. Hi, Prescott. Uh, great Hi, to be with you guys once again. Oh, it's good to have you on. It really is, and on such short notice, it was pretty neat how this all came about, and it definitely reminded me of that show. We need to call a friend. So, <laughs> well, was, I've never, I've never been, I've never been uh, compared to a game show host, but I'm always ready for that. It's always, there's always a first time for everything, I guess. So, <laughs> anyway, as we mentioned, uh, Jim, we were talking to the audience about the ingathering. And this is a specific thing that we're talking on as a more, on a more general topic of signs that we need to know and we need to be able to identify in order to identify the Mashiach. The Mashiach that will basically start a redemptive process. And we've been going over a number of verses. So hopefully you'll be able to jump in here and, and share some of your wisdom and knowledge on this very thing. And, uh, you know, for me, I was going to start off with Ezekiel uh, 39, uh, 25 and uh, 27 and 29. But I don't even know if we want to go there because we've got Jim and I'm, I'm excited to have you. So why don't you share some of your insights uh, on the exiles of Israel being in, gathered. Well, Ray and, and Prescott, you know, I'm, I'm, since I didn't hear the first part of the show, I'm hoping that I won't be repeating anything that, uh, that, that the two of you have uh, covered already. But, you know, I was sitting here thinking uh, as you were talking about the subject, which, of course, obviously is on everybody's minds right now. I know especially if you spend any time in Israel these days, in Eretz Israel, you know that when you talk to our friends, and when I say our friends, uh, people who believe as we do in, in, in the Torah, what, what, uh, the people in the, the observant community, what, what folks in America like to refer to as Orthodox Jews, but you, you and I and Prescott know them as, of course, just observant Jews. They have an expectancy that this figure is literally walking the streets of Jerusalem, even as we speak today. You know, and part of this, you know, Ray and I talked about this on an earlier show when we were at the Noahide Conference earlier this year. I made, I think, some, not some, not some profound discoveries, but I think I made some discoveries about this figure that I think have kind of deepened my understanding. Uh, You know, no, I don't, I don't hold this sort of miraculous, mystical, and, and this is not to diminish the power of God involved in this, but I don't, I don't hold that idea that I once held years ago that this person is almost sort of a, a demigod or something. I mean, I've learned from studying the Torah, as, as Ray and, and, and Prescott have and all of our listeners, that this is a very real person who does r- very real things in the physical realm and uses the gifts that God gave us in the physical realm. Not that this person won't be extraordinary. He will be. But I think that one of the things that has occurred to me that never occurred to me before 
is that there is one aspect of this that still that we need to be reminded of, and that is is that we need to want this person. Um, and this is, and, and I'm gonna sort of put the burden of that, that care, that question on our Jewish brothers and sisters, because really, you know, Mashiach is really their leader. I mean, he will of course have an impact on the entire globe, uh, but he's, he has to first begin to have an impact on the people of, of Israel. And when I say Israel, I say that in the sense that Israel is a nation and that if any any American Jewish family is listening to my voice today and they have not yet made plans to to make Aliyah to Eretz Israel, then I'm speaking to them as expatriates of Israel. They are people who are still literally in the Galut, the, the, the diaspora, the exile. And um, they have to want this personage, too, because, you know, we've seen messianic figures arise in the past. There have been, I think, 35 or 40 odd figures who've come up, and they've always fallen short of the mark. And it's because of, of human frailty, but I think also because I think God allowed this these frailties to um, to emerge because the people, because the Jewish people were not yet ready for this figure to emerge. And so... I think, um, you know, if I would say anything, you know, Ray and, and Prescott, if I would say anything to our Jewish listeners today, and this doesn't leave out our Noahide listeners, uh, you know, we need to be praying that, that, that we are asking for this person to come forth. Does he know he's Mashiach? And this is something that Ray and I talked about on an earlier show. I don't think he does, but I think that this person, if you read in your Torah, you read in Toledot, in the story of how uh, Esau was originally supposed to have been the one who was to be given the, the mantle of leadership and the one who would be crowned with the title of Israel. Because that is, of course, uh, it, it is a title. He could have easily ha- have been a Mashiach for his day and brought in the redemption and, and created a nation. But, of course, he rejected it. And, of course, thank God... His, his younger brother knew because his mother told him that, that God had told her that the younger one was actually going to be the one to, to take on this mantle. And it literally was a mantle. We can see that he realized that it was a real physical task to be accomplished in the physical realm with the tools that God gave us. And it hasn't changed. We're still looking for that figure. We're still looking for someone among the Jewish people who, as they say, and this comes from, I believe, a Talmudic saying, and I'm going to put it in contemporary terms, if, if, if there is no man to do the job, then, then you be the man. You know, as mm-hmm. we like to say in America, you the man. <laughs> and some, somebody literally needs to decide, and they're not going to decide, oh, I'm the Mashiach. They're going to decide Israel needs a leader right now. And, right. and this is so prescient. This is so timely because even as we're having this conversation today, the the current prime minister Benjamin Netanyahu has had this, you know, this meeting with with uh, Obama in the White House, and of course we we know it's all for show anyway. But sadly, as much as I as much as I admire Bibi, and I admire his uh, his ease with the English language and his intelligence and his presence on camera. Um, he apparently is not the man that we're looking for because he, he, he does not default 
almost instantaneously in all of his thinking to Torah thinking. Mm. So we, we need to. So what I'm telling our listeners, I guess, and is that there are there are people walking the streets of Jerusalem today. There are young men involved in political movements who are, for want of a better word, who are religious. But they're, they're grounded in their Torah in an everyday belief, and they're actively, um, they're actively pursuing ways to change Israel and to get Israel back to her Torah form of government. Because after all, their constitution, their Bill of Rights, their deed to the land of Israel are all wrapped up in that Torah. And, and, yeah, uh, they, they have to have that connection. That has to exist, or you know, because I think you're you're absolutely right about Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, and can you imagine uh, with this his depth of knowledge, his wisdom, his experience, and, and as powerful as we all know that he is, and you know, as far as commanding the language and, and such a presence, if he's not the Mashiach, can you? I mean, it's hard to get your head around. Who would the Mashiach be? If this yeah. guy isn't it, who is it? I mean, he's, well, you know, he's, he's, I, I have to, to be st- phenomenally. Yeah, I look to the story. I look to the story of, uh, of of Joseph and his brothers, because because Joseph was very much a Mashiach type figure. He was a leader, and not only was he a leader, he was a world leader who impacted. He impacted the known world of his day, at least in in what we call the Levant, so the, the people that in, you know the the people of that region, the the entire Middle East of his day. Uh, when you think about his story, as you as we read it in in uh, especially in Maquettes, the, the part of Maquettes, um, he he saved that part of the world by being the the uh, de facto leader of of the free world, if you will. And in his day, he was a kind of uh, well, he was a prime minister, and even though you had a pharaoh who was a figurehead as a as a uh, as a ruler, he wasn't really the he wasn't really running the country. Joseph was running. You you think about this. Here was a Jewish man, really calling the shots in ancient Egypt. Mm. They they'd literally give him given him the ring of power, and he ran right. the country and did it with such God given wisdom. But yet his own brothers. Think about this. His own brothers came and stood before him, and they didn't recognize him. And I think that's a pattern, a template that we can look for for this messianic figure. There's going to be a leader who's going to emerge in Israel, who is going to coalesce all the people around him to a point where he begins doing things in a Torah way. And one day, he's going to be standing in front of his Jewish brothers and sisters, and they're going to go, my God, it's him. He was with us all along, and we didn't recognize him. And I think that's important right. because because I think what's I think it's important because even even the the leaders of of the other parts of the so-called free world, I think they they have to be of a mind that they don't recognize this person because if they do, they will kill him. And we've seen that happen before. With uh, and I'm going to invoke a name that people may be uncomfortable with, Meyer Kahana. Everything mm-hmm. that Meyer Kahana said is has come true today, and uh, there are people that, that that wouldn't even whisper his name, and and yet he is a he is a person. He's an example of someone who could have taken up the mantle of leadership, and the and the forces in, in the political realm out there saw him as a danger. So I think that we'll see this figure coming into positions of power. He may be a religious leader. He may be a prime minister. 
And I even have my own pet theory. I think he's going to be a Balchuva. I think he's going to be a Jew who grew up in the diaspora and made Aliyah. And he's going to have that understanding of what it takes to move back and forth in the political and in the in the business realm. But yet it's all going to be anchored in Torah for him. That's going to be always his acid test. And um, so th- those are, I guess, in a way, some of my random thoughts about this person. Uh, and, and I, because I think the events, this maybe this goes without saying, and you've probably talked about this in the first half. I, I don't think anybody who who believes in in God and His Torah can look around and even look at the prophets and say we're not living in that day when this person is needed. Mm. That the rest of the world. Uh, is going to turn around and go, you know, we've made a mess of things. We have made a mess of things. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to do it. And they're going to look over at, at, at little Israel. And, and by that time, when the rest of the world turns around, they're going to go, my goodness, those people have got their act together. Right. They're, and I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to, I think we're, I think the rest of the world is going to look for Mashiach and they're going to look at a nation as almost as a, uh, a kind of messiah nation, if you will, led by this person. And, uh, you know, once he does this, well, he's going to... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that, you know, listening to you share your thoughts, it occurred to me that uh, you really have helped solidify the point I, I was wanting to make as far as, you know, Joseph and Mirkahana and, and others. There's been others in Torah that were Mashiach-type figures. And even with all their greatness, can you imagine what this redemptive Mashiach is going to be like? I mean, certainly he's not yeah. going to be up on a stage performing, you know, miracles. I mean, that's not even a requirement, but... He is he is going to have what it takes because of Hashem's wisdom. He will have it all, and he will take actions to see to it that it happens. And his people, like you say, just like Yosef, I mean, that he was commanding. Uh, he knew it, and I love the example you gave about his brothers because we, yeah. we have, in fact, been talking about that, that there's still going to be those who do not have eyes to see and ears to hear. Because yeah, that is also a requirement. You need yeah. to have the eyes to see what is happening and the ears to, to hear it and, and believe it. And you know, Ray, you know, that points out to a, another aspect uh, where it, sh- it falls back on, on all of our shoulders again. You and I and Prescott, all the Noahides listening and all of our Jewish friends listening is, you, you know why there are some that won't have the heart or the eyes? Because they, they won't want to have it. Mm. You know, you're not, well, you know. Uh, you know, people in fact, to- uh, I I had related that a similar circumstance uh, in the Exodus when they the Hebrews left Egypt. The sages teach us that the majority of the Hebrews stayed back in Egypt. Yes, <laughs> they didn't. Yes. They didn't want to leave. And then even on the 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 way to Mount Sinai, they they ran into troubles. And what was the first thing they wanted to do? Return to Egypt. But there was a huge, a much bigger percentage that stayed than that left, and I think well, we're going to see something similar, possibly, uh, in this in this event. Sadly, so because what's going to happen? You know, what they were defaulting to the 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 uh, the generation of the midbar of, of the wilderness. What they defaulted to was their slave mentality, and what is facing Jews who are living in the diaspora today is a a galut a a diaspora mentality they 
they don't want to make the sacrifices that ones have to make to make Aliyah live in Israel. And I and I I know that I'm going to, you know, upset some of some of my Jewish friends by saying this because you know it's easy for me to point the finger and go, you should be making Aliyah. <laughs> and I, I know it is easy for me to say that, and please, I don't mean to. But but you know the the point is is that I've I've had friends. I've discussed this openly with with my very close Jewish friends, and I've tried to in the nicest way say you know why aren't you living there, and and they'll they'll begin to describe you know the realities of living in Israel today. Which by the way, it, it, its its economy is a miracle right now. We we all know that. But the thing is is that God even tells tells us in his Torah, in his word, look, when he told them the same thing when they were in Egypt. This this place is not going to be like the place you were living in where where the the uh, all the elements so, sort of just uh, almost brought you the rain and the fruits. Uh, this is not going to be... You're going to have to pray, and you're going to have to depend on me completely to make your way in Eretz Israel. Yes, it's your land, and I want you to live there, but you'll have to depend on me. And it's a pretty scary thing to get off that plane at Ben Gurion and walk out and and head to whatever community that you choose to live in, and you may not have Parnassa, you may not have a job. That's when the real faith comes in. And you know what? There are families that are making that choice every day, and and they're they're not living the life they lived in in uh, here in America. But goodness, they're happy. They are fulfilled. And. Uh, I think that's the well, thing to look for. You are so right, and it is a, a form of bondage. I mean, we, we learn about the bond servant, uh, which you know some might read as slavery, but in reality it's not slavery because oftentimes these individuals who needed help, who were down and out, they would basically give themselves over to somebody and become a bond servant. Yeah. And the the way the, the laws are set up is that the individual taking in the bond servant must treat this person as if they're a family member. They right. eat the same food. They sleep in, in, in a bed that you know a family member uh, would sleep in. It's not like sleeping on the ground. They are supposed to help this person get back on their feet. And interestingly enough is that much like many Jews today, who are in this mindset that you're referring to and, and can't get out of it, back then it was the same thing. People became so wanting to stay with their bondservant. They didn't want to go out and make their own way and verbalize that publicly that they were making a commitment to this person who was going to remain their bondservant for the rest of their lives. They would literally have an all taken to their ear as a sign that you did something that is is not Torah-based. You are supposed to have learned to do uh, for yourself and to get out there in the in the world based on what you've learned from this family, these people, and be able to do it for somebody else. And instead you chose not to, and they take an awl to that person's earlobe and put a hole in it. Yeah. Jim, listen, we are at the end of our time here, and I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And uh, unfortunately, we have to bring it to an end, and we yeah. have to bounce on out of here. 
So with that, I'd like to uh, tell the folks, thanks for being here. We're, we're glad that you joined us and stayed with us throughout the entire hour. And Prescott, uh, you and I will see the folks in a bit on our Plugged In show. And we'll get over there right after this. So until next time, Shavua Tov. Shalom. First Israel Mortgages. Our mission is to help people obtain the right mortgage, get preferred rates, and realize their dream of owning a home in Israel. Our staff is made of American-born Israelis who understand your needs when structuring a mortgage. At First Israel, your financial security is paramount. Visit us online at firstisrael.co.il. That's firstisrael.co.il. Hi, my name is Benny, and I'm from Scarsdale, New York, and I'm here in Israel to celebrate putting on my tefillin for my bar mitzvah, and we just finished checking out all the Shavamini, because it's in my parsha. You're listening to Israel National Radio, and everybody should check it out. Hi, I'm the father. We went to put on his tefillin for the first time, and now I'm standing next to a guy who's holding a microphone. Tune in to IsraelNationalRadio.com, because it is the only radio that tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth.